What Would June Daly Watkins Do acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today. We would also like to pay our respects to elders past, present and future. Yes. Those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. Being able to be really authentic and honest, there's an element of going to be judged. Does what we wear really matter? What about taking a call while we're at the checkout? Or neglecting to RSVP? In a rude modern world, what would June Daly Watkins do? While the Order of Australia recipient quite literally wrote the book on manners, we're asking what that legacy really means today. Your host, Jody Bache McLean, has had the privilege of working with the late June Daly Watkins for over 36 years. Now, Jody is picking up the baton with one key question Is etiquette dead and buried, or does the modern world need Miss Daly's teachings now more than ever? In a 24-7 world of digital saturation, just how easy is it to get it wrong? We're asking Triple M straight-shooting queen of radio and social media, Margot Parker, about trolls, online double lives, and the permanence of social media missteps. Hello, Margot. Hello, Jodie. How are you? I'm very well. This sort of it's like a second home to you in front of a microphone with those headphones on, isn't it? I know. A little different, though. It's nice and personal one-on-one yes. instead of, uh, you know, having Mardo and Dan in the studio with me and, and a bunch of eyes watching and then obviously all of Brisbane listening. But, of course, I'm sure they'll be listening once this Fingers crossed. This and, and I wonder, would Mardo and Dan be wearing red lipstick like <laughs> I am? <laughs> they wouldn't wear it as well as you do no. anyway. <laughs> I'd hate to see Marta in Fantastic, actually. There's a thought, isn't it? There's a thought, there isn't it? There is a thought. Yes. There's a vision. Thank you for joining me today. I, when I ran into you at, it was at uh, the Camilla. The Camilla lunch. Lunch. Mm. And I always uh, have to say, have admired you from afar. I think you're a very powerful woman. A and very, vice versa. Yeah. Well, mm. I just, I've heard you speak quite a number of times mm. and um, you are impressive. Thank you. You own your space. And I I wanted to chat about a topic that I think you're the perfect person to speak to about. Mm. And this is the space that people who are in the public eye, the space that they live in when it comes to media and social media and all of those things. And and I thought we might unpack that today. Yeah, I'd love to. Because um, I, again, as I said before, I admire and respect your thoughts and um, I thought this would be a bit of fun. Well, I appreciate you considering me to be here with you and I have admired you for a very long time because when I was... 14, 15 maybe, I did a KLM Academy course. Oh, beautiful Kelly. And they sent me out to agencies to cast or, or get an agent and I didn't get one. <laughs> and I How came in I came we? in to see you and I just remember from that very moment, I just thought that is the woman that I want to be one day. Aww. Like you were just so eloquent and beautiful and sophisticated. And I have always admired you uh, from a very long, for a very long time. So I'm very thank honoured you. to be here. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Do you still have your graduation photos from I do. KLM? I, I do. I'm black you, and white headshots. I think you need to post those one day. I should. You should. should. Now, Margot, I do request from all my guests mm-hmm. to give me some idea of a quote or a saying that means something to them. Mm. And you, of course, being the overachiever that you are, <laughs> you shared two with me and I thought that was good. Well, I loved yours because your tagline at the bottom of your email says, mm. if you can choose to be anything, choose to be kind. And, you know, mm. that's one that I always tell my children. And mm. so I thought, well, Jodie's already taken that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry I've got, about I've, that. Got, <laughs> I've got another one that I live by. But, yeah, I've given you a couple and I think that they're, to me, really important and I try and reflect that just in my daily life. So the first one, what's that one do? Those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Yes, but there was another one. Do unto others as though you want them to do to you. So basically be kind to people and you'll give that energy back. So I'm I'm big on energy. So I'm all about, I like to think that I give out good energy and and I like to receive that in return. And so I give my energy where it's reflected back the same way. Yeah. Mm. I think uh, that's a motto that I'm 100% on board with. And 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 as you say, what you put out in the world, you get back. I mean, there's been many sayings, paying it forward, Mm. doing something uh, for someone else without any expectation. And um, it's probably one of the most, I think, insightful sayings that are around at the moment. And and I'm, I'm a great believer in mantras mm. and, you know, I don't know if you do that sort of thing where you have, 
I guess it's positive reaffirmations around mm. you, sayings and those sort of things. Yeah, I, I think, think manifestation it, is huge. It is, isn't it? Yeah. The thing for me is that people are so willing to take mm. from everyone and anyone that is willing to give to them. But there's something really special about giving. You'll never feel bad for giving, you know, on any level, no matter what it be, might financially, energetically, spiritually, you know, physically, labour-wise. But, yeah, there's always that, you know, you never feel bad for giving. And that's one thing that, you know, at events when they say about charity because we Mm. do a lot of stuff in and around charity and it's just that it never makes you feel bad Mm. to give to others Mm. who are less fortunate or to those who are in need. Mm. And um, I think that applies across life just in general. It does, doesn't it? Because we're all here for a reason and to serve a purpose and and I think, you know, giving back, especially when you're in a position of fortune, is highly favourable. Are you requested to give a lot in I your do. role in the media and personality? Oh, I don't think it's requested of me, but mm. people definitely ask and I definitely like to indulge them in that. Mm. I'm forever in trouble from my husband and my children because I will prioritise sometimes charity needs over my family's needs because I think, you know, they are so fortunate and, you know, me not being there for a couple of hours, you know, on a Friday, late pick up for school or on a Saturday perhaps. So it's trying to get that juggle right. But I always like to give back, especially because in my work in radio, I don't get to talk about really purposeful, meaningful things of substance. You know, Mm. we talk about news and and current affairs and and entertainment, but always in a light, fluffy, joking, lighthearted sort of way. And so the charity stuff gives me a platform to be able to give back on a deeper level that Mm. is meaningful to Mm. me. And Mm. and the radio gives me a platform to be able to have the profile to be asked to do that. So they kind of work hand in hand. I don't always get to talk about the things that I'm really passionate about in radio but it gives me the opportunity then to be able to take up those opportunities outside of that. And so, you know, hosting luncheons or even just attending and raising an awareness through social media or through talking about it on the radio. So I I say yes more than I tend to say no, sometimes at the compromise of others, particularly my family and myself, but I don't ever feel bad for it in a sense. No, that's wonderful. And I think as long as you give yourself some time out. Time, yes. Yes. Which is really important. And I'm I'm learning that still. I'm still learning to make time for myself in other ways, but say no just to allow time and just quiet. Hmm. You're a very interesting woman, Margo. There's so many levels. Yeah. The other quote that you uh, referenced for me. Yeah, those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. And I think for me, this was, I'm a bit of a pleaser. Are you? Um, yeah, I think I'm we bit, all are. I'm a bit of a people pleaser and we all want to be liked, of course. But I think being able to be really authentic and, and honest and open and transparent in who we are, there's an element of going to be judged. And yeah. it was, you know, do I not be my true self and people like me for it because there's a, a contrived version of me that's going to please them? Or do I end up just being myself and people will love me for who I am or they won't like me for who I am? And that's okay because I don't need them. The right people will come to me and and enjoy who I am that need me. That's a very brave decision to make, I yeah. think, because a lot of people, especially in, in media and, and in the model industry and, yeah. and acting theatre, all of those sort of things, both of us are sort of, mm. you're more so in your side and I'm very entrenched in mine. I find that this is something people-pleasing and being really concerned about what someone else thinks, mm. especially when your image, your who you are is a platform yeah. and people have the opportunity to make comment. I wanted to just reference that quote and I want to say that I did some research but that wouldn't be authentic. The wonderful Emma <laughs> did some research for me and she said she, when she was putting everything together for today for us, she said, do you know where that quote came from? And I said, no, do tell. So apparently the understanding is that the quote originally came from a gentleman by the name of Bernard Baruch. Oh, well, I think that's He sounds his, fabulous. He does sound a bit fabulous. <laughs> and he was an advisor to the US presidents, uh, Wilson and Roosevelt. Okay. So he was the person who organised many events. I guess he was the event organiser of sort. Mm. And a uh, society columnist sat down with him one day and sort of did 10 questions of... You know, what do you do and and how, and how do you do everything that you do? And the columnist asked him how he handled, 
I thought this was really interesting, the seating arrangements of those who attended a dinner party. Mm. So, for example, if there was someone that was coming to dine with the then president, where would you place them and how did you organise the seating? And his comment was, and I thought this was really interesting, those who matter don't mind yeah, and those who mind don't matter, mm. which I think is incredibly incisive and, and it's true. There's a saying that I also sort of reference myself, what someone else thinks about me is none of my business. None of my business. And that's a hard one. Mm. That was something that my mum always really pushed. Don't worry about what other people are doing, just worry about, and it's that whole staying in your lane now, you know, people use that phrase quite often, you hear it, but it was my mum was always like, you know, worry about your own backyard. Focus on what's happening in there. Be a good person. You know, do what you need to do to to move through this life and to live it to the, the fullest of its abilities, you know, your abilities. Don't worry about what other people are doing. They'll do what they do no matter what you're doing. you just got to focus on yourself and just put one foot in front of the other and make sure you're doing and living the fullest of potentials that you can because nobody else is going to help you do it. But and everyone's going to judge you for they it, are. you know. And I, I have to say with our Modern Manners program that we do at June Daly Watkins, so this is a it's a finishing school, it's the June Daly Watkins ideology and philosophy mm. about helping create confidence. And that's the one thing that parents will reference with me. Mm. How do I teach my children, my daughter especially, to not worry about what other people think. Mm, I think it's self-esteem, right? Mm. So building self-esteem, security within. Like I was a dancer, I grew up and I could have had all of the eating disorders, bulimia, anorexia that came with the pressures of being thin, of, of dancing, the pressure from our dance teacher to be the best, other parents, other mothers. But my mum was a dancer. She was in the Queensland Ballet. She was a beautiful ballerina and she knew what those pressures were. So she almost went to great lengths to ensure that I didn't mm. falter under those pressures or didn't, you know, experience them, that it was just about dancing and it was just about the love of it and having the confidence to not worry about the girl who was, you know, standing behind me's mother who was standing watching the class staring at me because she was threatened by my ability because her mm. daughter wasn't as good and therefore she wasn't in the middle of the front. I think, you know, dealing with those sorts of things, but my mum just, it wasn't spoken about as well either, so therefore it wasn't a thing, you you know, we have this society that we live in now where we talk about everything and we have awareness for everything, which almost then highlights it and makes it mm. more of a thing, you know. And my mum was always just like, people talk too much. People say too much. People feel like they're entitled. Well, they see our lives. To speak, right? She said, just be quiet. Just go about your business quietly. Dance, turn up, do your best and then get out of there. You know, I was never allowed to hang around, you know, the dance studio before my class or after my class. She would drop me off and she would pick me up. So there was not that social engagement mm. on a level where I was being influenced or it was gossipy or, you know, things like that. She would drop me into the dance of Steadford and she would stand up the back and watch. She wasn't out the back as a stage mother. You know, she was always, you know, stage back, not stage left. Yes. But I had my costumes. I My hair and makeup was done. If I needed to sew a sequin or a button on, she had taught me how to do it. So it was a little bit of, you know, independence in a sense, but building up self-confidence that I had the ability to be able to do it and I just had the ability to without all of the the outside noise to believe in myself mm. and to continue to dance because I loved it, not because there was a pressure from my mum saying, I've paid all this money and I drive yes. you around everywhere and you have to do it, mm. or pressures from my dance teacher. And, and she was a very strong woman as well, Capricorn, like me. And so I saw a little bit of myself in her and I think vice versa. And so she always kind of really supported me. She probably was maybe a little bit harder on me at times, but I knew that that was because she saw such great potential in me. So I think self-awareness as well is huge. But yeah, my mum, I have a lot to thank for because she's an incredible woman. And it was learned behaviour in the sense that not only did she promote it, do as I say, but it was what she also did too. So in today's world, we have the, and you, and you, you mentioned this before about outside influences. Mm. And today for our younger generations and even people in the media, yeah. there are these external factors which are social media because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. So you in your profile, you would know that, that you need to share your life to a degree mm. with, with your followers or your listeners or your fans. And 
you know, the public can be really unforgiving at times. Mm. And to reference Kevin Hart, remember when he had to stand down from hosting the Academy Awards because something from his past came back to bite him. Mm. So I think he was, it was uh, on Twitter, he was referencing some jokes and I think the subject matter was homosexuality or something and it wasn't favourable. Yeah. And someone found it. Mm. It's almost like these people, especially in in that media personality star spotlight, they look for things that they can tear people down. Yeah. How How does that rest with you. Do you find that that's something you have to be conscious of, that there's this situation where living in fear that someone's going to, I don't know, try and break down this this reputation that you've pick built? You apart. Pick you apart. Yeah, I definitely think initially there was an element of that. And Marta, who I work with, my colleague, he said to me, you're in the business where you're going to piss somebody off. And yeah. he was very frank about that. He said, when you He's have an opinion, man. yes, mm. when you have an opinion and you're putting it out there for others, not everybody's going to agree with you. He said, but the minority are the loudest. And I had a lot of issues with our Facebook page initially because people would just, you know, when I started, there was a lot of comparisons to my predecessor and, oh, she's awful or she sounds like this or what a bogan, you know, whatever it might have been. And I was literally just being myself and I was like, oh, my God, people hate me for who I am. How did you cope with that? How did you cope with that? Well, I have a really supportive husband uh, Mm. who's amazing and he was like, just stop reading it, you know, and he said, to be honest, they don't know you. You know, they've listened to very small amounts of... And and that's the other thing, you know, particularly with media and radio. We have to get across a situation, a circumstance, a story within three minutes. Mm. And it has to be funny, entertaining, informed, eloquent, all of these things. And and within the legal boundaries of what we can and can't say on air, of course. So it's a a relatively well-thought-out process. But you have to do it in three minutes. And you have to be mindful that there's a a bevy of listeners out there who are hanging on every word and, oh, what is she going to say? So I think the thing is, is you never really get to portray the whole. Like if I told you a story, it could probably take me 10 to 15 minutes to really Mm. put it into context, summarise it. I always have to do that in two and a half to three minutes on air. So you kind of don't really get the full picture and you're trying to be funny and, you know, kind of take a different point of view on it as well, but also be authentic. But also there's an element of being contrived too at the same time, you know. You don't realise how much... No, it goes into it. goes into this. Yeah. yeah. So I think the thing was, and people are always quick to judge, of course, and and, and compare. And they were like, oh, she's not as good as her. I like her better. And then that sort of thing. And it's like, that's okay. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But, you know, this is the job that I've been given. I'm here for a reason and I'm going to run with it. You know, you're either on board or you're not. And that's kind of like when you say mottos for your life. My train is moving forward at fast pace. That's some guys digging the coal and throwing it in. Mm. And you're either on or you're off. And that's with my friends, my family, my husband and my kids even. It's like, keep up, you know. Mm. We've got to keep moving forward because, you know, there's a big full life that we're living and we've got to keep moving through it. And it's a little bit the same with my job. I'm kind of like, this is who I am and you either like it or you don't. There's a side of me that will play devil's advocate because I know that, you know, my perception of something is different to somebody else's and, and my opinion is also different and I, and I respect that you have a differing opinion to me. But this is mine. I own it. Mm. It's not right. It's not wrong. Uh, it's not yours, but it's mine. And, and that's what I think and feel. And I'm willing to be swayed. You know, let's have a conversation about it. What do you think differently? What don't you agree with that I've said? Let's talk about that. Instead of just going, oh, she's wrong or I don't like mm. what she has to say. Okay, well, what is it that you don't like about what I said? Okay, I'm willing to maybe soften on that or maybe go, hey, actually, yeah, I didn't think about it that way and I could lean into that, you know. But, it's yeah, it can be really difficult and people are very judgmental and social media has given people the platform to be opinionated, uh, have More social that, though, comment to be on everything. Cruel, to cruel. be yeah, of course. So, so. How does someone in the media deal with that? What what are the Well, I think the main thing I get is more so in and around generally sometimes my appearance or just that I'm what what do you mean by your appearance? So I've been called fat, I've been called ugly, male energy. She's a man. I'm sitting opposite her listeners (laughs) and she's absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you. Um, but I I know hang on, I just want to go back. This this fat. This you have I must admit, one of the things I admired about you is owning your physique. Yeah. So I would call. It's the only one I've got, <laughs> and that body it fluctuates with. Can kids. I tell you that body has created four children? Four I know your children. husband had something to do with yes. it, but you, you, 
You carried yeah. them. You you grew them. Yeah. And but aside from that, every time I've seen you, you look magnificent. Yeah, we we we're so quick to hate on ourselves, like Why? the self hate and the self criticism. I think it's because you know we've been conditioned to think there's a, a standard of beauty, right? And I I heard someone say something the other day, oh, you know, don't we just hate Kim Kardashian for saying, oh, you know, it took me seven kilos to lose to to fit into this Marilyn Monroe dress, right? Kim Kardashian doesn't live in the real world, okay? Yes, she's a real person, but she doesn't live in the real world. And she has access to anything and everything Mm. that her heart desires. And we would never criticise Matthew McConaughey for losing a shit tonne of weight to fit into a movie role. Why are we criticising her for the same? Because that's almost the role of her life, in a sense, is fitting into that dress and walking the Met Gala, which is beyond anybody's wildest dreams, right? So we're so quick to judge women yes. for so that. Yes, there's an imbalance there, isn't Most there? definitely an imbalance because Jared Leto lost, he became an anorexic. Matthew McConaughey became anorexic. But we crucify and vilify her because for saying she, that she lost seven kilos. She needed to, to wear her. Marilyn's dress. That was her role. That was Whereas her role. the other, was, it, it, was it was a acting. movie role. It mm. was a movie role. So, you know, we're always so quick to judge women. Who's judging us? The women. Men? <laughs> <laughs> women. We judge. We dress for women, right? So they say, I don't dress for men. I dress for women. But there's also that I dress for myself. But at the same time, if we are aspiring to be like Kim Kardashian, then maybe it's us that we need to look at because that is not realistic. And if we think, you know, that we're aspiring, you because know, it was the supermodels, you know, it was, and it's ever changing. It's the wife. It's Cindy. Crawford, it's Naomi Campbell, and even they're critical of her, you know, and these women are like, what's there, seven supermodels in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And we even criticise them. Mm. So I just don't think it's We're anything. We're not allowed to call them supermodels anyway. Oh, whatever they are. But there's this thing of always aspiring to be something different or somebody else as opposed to aspiring to be the best version of ourselves. That's my motto. And that's all I'm trying to do. Mm. So I'm doing, you know, I'm exercising because it's really great for my mental health and because it's an outlet for me outside of my work, outside of my husband, outside of my household, outside of my children, my friends, having a good time drinking, dancing, laughing and doing all of those things. I just feel better for it. So Mm. it's not necessarily always about losing weight or, you know, trying to obtain a certain body image or ideal fit in my clothes. it's, I just feel better for it. And I think that's the approach, the new approach that I'm taking mm. to my body. It's what makes me feel good. Yes. It's not about looking good. Yes. I mean, that comes with it. As that's, you know, like subsequent. But I think it's all about what makes me feel good. And doing a couple of sessions, that's all I do twice a week, just weight sessions. I'm not smashing myself at mm. a hit session or running 10 kilometres every day. I just do two weight sessions a week and I feel really good for it. Mm. Well, you look great. You, Thank you, you. you. I think exercise does give you that natural glow as yeah. well so it's and ultimately you know, essentially the same person deep mm. down no matter if I'm a size 10 or I'm a size 16 and I've been everywhere and everything in between having four children which I'm so very blessed healthy happy thriving kids and I think it's about teaching them to love yourself no matter what you look like, you know, because they are so conditioned to pop culture, to magazines, to MTV and to um, celebritism. They are so exposed to that and you can't, can't stop that. And mum and dad are celebrities as well. So they're in the public eye. So there's comment that will come there as well, whether it's via social media or however. You've mentioned this word a couple of times and I, I want to ask you an unscripted question. Mm. Let's have, a, we'll do a scenario here. I haven't seen you for a while. I run into you and I say... Hi, Margot. How are you? Oh, my God, you've lost weight. You so look much amazing. Weight. You look beautiful. Yeah, I hate that. Do you hate that? I, well, I don't hate it. I just think the focus shouldn't be on weight. Yes. So when you just said, you know, the exercise is suiting you, you're glowing from within, right? Uh, that. I've, I've had a few comments saying, what are you doing? You're glowing. Mm. Not, oh, you look great. You've lost weight. Okay, well, did I not look good before because mm. I was a bit heavier? But also that errs on the side of when I'm a little bit heavier, maybe I don't feel as good about myself. So that glow might not be there, perhaps. I'm not sure. It could be coincidental. It could be consequential, right? But I think the thing is, is, yeah, I don't love that. And it's even with pregnancy, when women are pregnant, oh, my God, you're so big. Oh, am I? You know, like when you've got the big belly, just even that sometimes because people are so conscious of their image. Oh, oh, you're tiny. Where's we, your belly? We have a focus on weight in our culture. I don't yeah. know why. Maybe it's we want to be, you know, in years gone by in the 16th, 17th century to be 
weighted mm. was was a good thing because it meant you were rich and you could afford to eat. Yeah. Whereas if you were poor, you were very thin because yes, you couldn't, couldn't afford. afford food. Yeah. And and then I heard, um, take it back to the Kardashians, you know, but I heard Courtney say something, someone commented about, oh, is she pregnant finally? And she said, no, I'm just holding a little bit of weight because I'm really happy. Mm. And I always find that when I'm thinner, I'm unhappy and I'm trying harder and it's really high maintenance. When I'm happy, I'm content in my body. Mm. You know, my husband loves me. I'm a good mother. I'm a great friend. I work really hard. So it's kind of like the exercise thing is just not my focus Mm. or my priority at that time in my life, you know, And, and I'm spending instead of an hour and a half in the gym or two hours traveling back and forth and then spending an hour in the gym, I'm putting that time back into my family. I'm putting that time back into spending time with my friends who mm. I don't get to see mm-hmm. or with my my family who mm. I don't get time mm. with all the time or just even on myself in another way, whether it be therapeutics with um, lymphatic drainage. Like mm. I would rather spend time on my inner health than my physical outer looks. Mm. And that's where my focus has shifted a lot now because I was like, oh, people are calling me fat, boohoo, poor me, I need to go on a diet. It's like, well, no, they don't know who I am. They're attacking me on based on one physical attribute. Mm. Yes, probably maybe I need to address my weight if I'm a little bit heavier at the moment, but why? Why am I doing it? What's the focus? And mm. the focus is about feeling good, not looking like somebody expects me to look. Yes. And I think I I sort of took on a, a personal promise to myself that I would never say to someone as, as an opening line, hey, you look great, you've mm. lost weight. Yeah. Because when you put those, as you said before, when you put those two things together, what you're saying... It celebrates diet culture. Well, yeah, and yeah. unconsciously, unless you've lost weight, you don't look great, as yeah. you said before. And I just recently, a friend of mine has lost weight mm. and I hadn't said anything. Yeah. And I said, you look gorgeous and you're glowing. And she said, you you haven't noticed I've lost weight. And, yeah. and it's even in our own mind yeah. that we have been conditioned that that is the expectation because if you lose weight, therefore you are a better person and, yeah. and changing that. And so, I always say, how are you? Yes. Are you well? Are you well? You look well. You yeah. look fabulous. And, and, and are you happy? Yes. Healthy? You yes. know, I say, are you happy and healthy? Mm. And, you know, people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good, you know. And I think... Maybe if we take that um, mission on board, mm. perhaps, you know, we can sort of re rewrite the dialogue mm. on how we greet people and not to compliment assume- their dress. Yes. Yes. Oh, gee, your hair's great, this colour. Love that. Are you doing something new? You know, like find something else to focus on other than weight. You look great. Your What's dress your is beautiful. Mm. Love those shoes. Mm. Fabulous, you mm. know. Are you enjoying your day? You know, whatever it might it's be. Hard, Are you well? Yes. But, yeah, I think consciously changing because our children are listening most definitely and that's where it's really important and we don't say fat in our house it's healthy and unhealthy yes and i heard my daughter say it my six she's only six so we're we're still learning right and she said mum why are you a bit fat oh yeah and i said well what makes you think that i'm fat darling what does fat mean to you and she said you've got a squishy belly and i said well i grew you in this big belly didn't i and i said and and i got a photo out on, you know, on my photos and I showed her how big my belly got. I said, that's how big my belly was because you were inside it and I grew your arms and your legs. And she goes, oh, so I I was in your belly, you know, like just the concept of it, you know, because she obviously has heard or seen that word from somewhere else. And so it's just about, you know, fat's not a nice word. We don't say that. We say healthy and unhealthy, but to her, she's sick. She doesn't get that right. Mm. So it was saying, this is why my belly looks like this, you know, and maybe mummy eats a little bit too much chocolate every now and then, you know, and, and having a bit of fun with it as opposed to, you know, saying, no, we don't say that. That's not a nice word. And, you know, in internalizing yes. that for her. But also just saying that it hurts mummy's feelings when you say that. That's not very yeah, nice, you yeah. know. But, yeah, mummy could be a little bit better. Things like that. Yep. So, And I think particularly for my 12-year-old who's really impressionable at the moment, she's extremely athletic and she's very conscious of what goes into her mouth because she wants to be healthy. And so that's how they talk about it with netball, you know, and, and with school ahead of exams. You know, we need to feed our bodies and our brains good food. So we're fueling our body as opposed to, you know, just eating, etc. Mm, so mm. it's about fueling our body with good stuff so that our body can function at its highest potential and our brains are being fed so that we can take in the information. And then when we're studying, you know, we're hydrated and we're well fed. So our brains are, are at their best. So then we can go into the exam and we're feeling good about yep. it. So it's not just about study prep. It's about, you know, preparation of our minds and our bodies as well. So, you know, just kind of keeping on those sorts of 
you know, levels of yes. conversation um, and how we address what goes in and out of our mouth, you know, and at the moment um, she's had a few flare-ups with certain foods that don't make her feel well. And she said, oh, mum, that makes me feel really sick when I eat that. And I said, okay, well, let's maybe look to eliminate that out of your diet and see if that helps. And so she, you know, we just got rid of milk. She was feeling sick from drinking mm. milk. Mm. And so we just got rid of milk. And she's like, oh, mum, cheese is, is dairy, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, do you think maybe I And I said, well, eat it, see how you feel. And if it doesn't feel good, get rid of it. If it feels good, keep eating it, mm. you know, because mm. you need fat. Mm. Fat's good for the brain, mm. you know, um, the right fats. But, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's it's hard, right? It's so hard. The language is the so language important. The language is so important. And conditioning them to it, and you know, so and particularly our boys yeah. too, right? And I'm really mm. big on language for boys in and around how we treat women, respect, consent. You know, um, yes, your six-year-old was happy to tackle and play and, and do all of those things, but she's now saying, no, stop, that hurts, I don't like that. And you go, oh, no, it's funny and it's fun and I'm going to keep tackling her. She's asked you to stop. Oh, but it was okay before. Yes, but she's allowed to change her mind. Mm, mm. And I think that that's really important. So the language, you know, with girls and with boys, it's a tricky one. And unless you are aware and know, then you don't know to then educate your children with that, Mm, right, as well. mm, mm. So I think it's important, you know, sometimes I mention that when I speak, you know, on air or at an event that I'm emceeing because, you know, people go, that was a really great point that you made about your boys, even speaking to boys about periods because girls in their class at their age, my son's age, who's 11, are going to start that and I want him to be understanding. I don't want him to ever make them feel ashamed or embarrassed by going, oh, you got blood on your skin, oh, mm, what's that? You know, I want him to say, oh, look, here's my hat, you might need to go to the bathroom, you know, like, and he's 11, yes, and that's a lot, but that's life experience, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. When you say period, men go, ooh. Yeah, ooh, we need to change period. the It's like, okay, the dialogue. well, 50% of the population mm. have that happen to them every month, you know, your daughters, your sister, your wife, your, you know, mother. And so it's one of those things, you know, the conversations that we're having with our kids can be really meaningful and purposeful and set them up for forever. So it's, it's tough to tackle, but language is really important and around how we talk about things. With your boys, how do you go about teaching things like opening a door? I'd be really keen to to know, is that something that you verbalise with them? For example, you know, the lady and the gentleman phrases yes. and what it means to be a gentleman and to be a gentlewoman yes. as well. Mm. Is that something that you are finding, is it a difficult journey to go down to sort of talk about these old-fashioned niceties that were a very big part of my generation growing mm. up and even with my children instilling those those values in them and then them coming back to mm. me and saying gee mum I'm not sure yeah I feel I, I did a, a podcast recently with the inspired unemployed oh, yeah. and I was working with Falcon and I said to him, he wanted me to teach him how to sort of have great manners while he was dining with his, his girlfriend's mm-hmm. parents. And he, I, I said to him, I said, do you like to pull a chair out for a woman? And he said, I do, but I'm really hesitant to do it because I might look, to use his words, like a dick. Yeah. And that's such a shame and he wants to do it. And again, it's that people-pleasing, right? I I feel this and I think this and I want this, but I'm too scared to because people will think this of me. Mm. Just do it. Just And that's what I said. If that's what you think and feel, just do it. No bad will come of it. No, it won't. And listen to the person, and it may not just, it may not be a woman, it may Mm. be a man, that says, thanks for doing that, but you don't need to. Because I, I worry that there's this twist in the communication process that people see that as something as being untoward or derogatory or looking Mm. down upon someone. It's absolutely the opposite. Yes, chivalry, they say chivalry is dead, but I don't think it is because there's still a lot of really great, respectful men out there, right? But women have become so much more independent. Men are almost fearful of of that, you know. I can still be an independent woman whilst you still be a respectful and considered man. Those two can live in the same place together. For my boys, shaking hands and making eye contact was one of the first things that you 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 teach them outside of please and thank you, right? Ta, say ta, it starts there. Mm. Give them the rustic. Say ta, ta, and they say something and you're like, okay, I acknowledge that you tried mm. to say something. Mm. So it starts there and then it's please, say thank you, shake hands, look somebody in the eye. But I think kids are so consumed by iPads and phones that they're not really given the opportunity to do that. You know, you go out to dinner 
and you see the kids sitting on iPads and it's just like the kids have no real way of learning the art of being involved in conversation because it used to be that whole scene and not heard, right? But you be respectful and you must address, sir, ma'am, shake hands and then go away and now don't be seen or heard. Uh, whereas I'm more about encouraging my children to say, hello, how are you? Shake hands. How are you? You know, just asking how that person is as opposed to saying, oh, hello, Wiley. How are you, mate? And he goes, yeah, I'm good. And then off he goes. Yeah. So I just say, always ask someone how they are back. If somebody asks you how you are, you say, I'm great, thank you, or I'm good, or I'm fine, or I'm having fun, and then say, how are you? Mm. And I, you know, I think that's really important as well, you know, in just the art of conversation is so lost in social media. Now it's easier to send a message or a thumb or a love heart to engage as opposed to picking up the phone or sending a message or writing an email or, you know, the art of lettering, obviously pretty dead. But I think initially handshake, eye contact, very important as they get a little bit older. And I think little things like, you know, if a girl is in a situation where you can help and assist her, then please do, you know. Mm. He's like, oh, is that weird though that I would walk her to the bathroom? And I'm like, no, that's a gen- that's gentlemanly. Don't mm. follow her into the cubicle or anything, but that's weird. <laughs> uh, but definitely, you know, just say, do you need some help or do you want my jumper to wrap around your waist? You know, like little things like that. You know, that's, I think, important too. You know, it's not just about pulling out a chair or opening a door, but just being aware and being considerate of yeah. others. You know, if you're at the the shopping centre, people just cut through past you as opposed to pulling up and waiting and allowing someone to pass. I had a man the other day, um, you know, we were both approaching the sliding doors at Woolworths at the same time and he pulled back and I pulled back at the same time and he was almost shocked like I was a young person who had no consideration that he had obviously encountered before and he went, oh, thank you. Mm. And I said, no, no, you go. And, you know, he was he was older than me, age before beauty, I say. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I let him through and it was almost like he was shocked that yeah. somebody had thought to stop as opposed to just sort of barging through, I'm coming through because my, I'm so important and my life is so busy and I need to get to where I'm going quicker than you do kind of thing. So I think for me, you know, teaching the kids about consideration and awareness of mm. others is really important. Mm. Sunday morning, my husband thought it'd be a great idea at 8.30 to get the blower out to do the oh, bless the him. rain. I think he was blowing the rain off the deck and I was like, who are you? <laughs> but I said, babe, it's Sunday, like nine o'clock, right? I don't even know if that's a rule, but that's my rule. Like the neighbour next door works night shift. The guy down the back loves to complain. So let's not give them a reason, right? And let's be considerate of the fact that he's done night shift all week. He's probably having a sleep in on a Sunday morning. Let's leave him be. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I said, it's seven o'clock through the week. It's eight o'clock on Saturdays. It's nine o'clock on Sundays, right? Because mm-hmm. I want to rest too. But just little things like that even that you just don't think of. And, I think and he's like, oh, well, it's 8.30. It's yeah. nearly 9 o'clock. I'm, no, I'm like, I know, but half an hour is half an hour. Like it sometimes can be the difference between that guy having a really great day or being woken up early and going, and, oh, bloody Corey next door with his yes. bloody blower yes. and being in a bad mood, right? So we have the ability to impact we do. other people's days. Other people's lives. Other people's lives positively or negatively. Mm. Let's try and be positive. Where we can. Where we can. Mm, I think... Uh, you, you raised a very valid point, a very interesting point about acknowledging when someone does something nice for you, which mm. I think isn't an absolute. You you don't have to, but it's it's nice when you hear it when someone when you do something that is a kindness and mm. someone says thank you yeah, for that. Thank you. And I think that's something that I would you know, they used to have those days, day of you know, they tribute a day to something, some mm. some service or some charity. It would be wonderful. I know they've done a couple of things. I think it's uh, something like a paying forward day, but something like that where yeah. as a society that we actually celebrate kindness and mm. they, or acknowledging what people do for you. I think that's, that's I something that would be an advantage to perhaps remind people because mm. sometimes we don't have the voice and, yeah. and we may be, you know, a little bit shy or we just don't know what to say mm. and, and, and it's just... If people are acknowledged for doing a kindness, yeah. they're more likely to do more yeah. in that space. And just being able to accept the compliment or accept the offer when somebody gives you a compliment, just say thank you. You don't have to compliment them back. Mm. You know, I think mm. a lot of people go, oh, yeah, thank you. And you look beautiful too. Yes, it loses its Oh, I love your dress. Oh, yes. yeah, you look great too. You yes. know, just thank you. 
yeah, I love it as well. That's why I wore it. You know, like it just has to be as simple as that. And I think letting go of the idea of if you say thank you to a compliment, then you're stuck up or you're up Mm. yourself or you Mm. think that you're better than everybody Mm. or whatever it is, this misconceived idea that people are going to think something of you. Just simply say thank you. I often say not. I often, it sounds like I get compliments all the time, Margaret. I'm not saying that. <laughs> well, you should. You are fabulous. But if someone says something that is a compliment, I say, thank you. That's very kind. Kind of you, yeah. And I think that makes them feel better because I think that's why we say, oh, and so do you, because we feel that we have to pay it forward. Yeah. That If we say, oh, thank you, that mm. we sound conceited. Mm. And I find that, and then there may be an opportunity if I do think they look wonderful, yeah. I'll say that. A little bit later, that colour is magnificent Mm. on you, makes your eyes whatever, whatever it may be. And I think it's giving without expecting anything in return. Mm. You know, Mm. like I'm a bit of a gift giver. I love to give gifts. I love to say thank you by buying flowers and a beautiful candle or a bottle of champagne to somebody who's helped me with school Mm. pickup. And somebody said to me, I didn't do it because I wanted you to buy me something. I did it just because I know that it helped. And I was like, thank you. Mm. And and she said, that's all I need. Just say thank you. Yes. And, you know, I don't, you don't have to do these big grand gestures or give compliments back. Just, you know, accept and give because it makes you feel good. I saw on our Facebook group suburb page, you know, someone had said, I just wanted to say thank you to the car in front of me and the Zarafas lineup who paid for my coffee. Oh, wow. Because they had said, I'll get the person behind me. Whatever they order, I'll just pay for a coffee, you know, kind of thing. And so then when she got to the booth, they said, oh, the gentleman has just paid for your coffee. What would you like? Mm. And so she was like, oh, great. I want a large cappuccino, whatever it might have been, you know. But just thank you for whoever. That was really kind. That's that's a lovely gesture because I often hear of stories where someone is posting on social media Mm. a random act of kindness. They celebrate their own. They celebrate their own. (laughs) What do they call that, a humble brag, which I just... It's making it, it about you. Yes, it is about highlighting you. how good you are. And and I, I see this a lot with social media. You know, people um, instead of just going about their business in a sense of doing something for somebody else, they have to then go, Oh, look at me, how great I am that I did that. Yes. And then somehow make it about them. Which you see often. You know, I'm really good at unfollowing. Mm. I love a good clean out. Do you? you? know, if something, if someone's posted something or someone's consistently posting something that I just, it makes me feel, ooh, like I go, ooh, that was, I don't Do like that or agree to, with that. I just go unfollow. We need to invent that when you unfollow, they receive something that says. Yeah. And a little message, you know, yes, feedback when you unsubscribe yes, from an email. Yes. They say, why are you unsubscribing? Yes. Did you receive too many emails? I, I think Were they not the right type of email? Because we're, we're training ourselves not to have a difficult conversation. Yeah. And sometimes maybe we want to, we want to be anonymous, yeah. but maybe sometimes we want to say, you know what, I'm unfollowing you because. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's sort of owning our space and, and owning our voice. Because you can control that. You can control it. I can look away. You're not, you're not I don't need to see it. No, and you don't need to, to be passive aggressive either. It no. can be something that whether or not that person takes it on It doesn't align with where I'm at no. in my life at the moment no. or I, you know... Um, I think most of your stuff is great, but there's a few things that you post that I don't agree with. Well, that's... And I don't want to sit here and talk about you behind your back and no, go, oh, my God, did I'd you see what so-and-so unfollow. posted? Mm. And be negative and sit in that toxic energy. I'd rather just unfollow and not see it. I think we could create that app. We could. There you Something go. Something you can do. Okay. Thanks, because <laughs> you've got, got enough much. on. <laughs> as I'm sure you do as well. No, uh, no. But no, yeah, I think it definitely, or just unfollow and you don't need to say anything. And if somebody questions it and says, oh, hey, I noticed that you unfollowed me, which they would never do because they would just be like, ah, oh, unfollowed me, you know, and, and it oh, would no, it'd make it no. about them. Some people would, I think. Some people are very taken by the comments, by the likes. They mm. live their life. And I get that as a business yeah. person, that sort of the percentage of, of engagement that you have mm. tells a story. Yeah. And it also lets you know whether the what you're doing is working and so forth. I follow you on, on social media. Lucky you. I am very <laughs> lucky. And um, I noticed there's been a few times, and I love your sense of humour, Margot, where you, you you post something and you deny that you have a filter on and you've got a filter on that is, is extremely filtered. And that brings me to this topic of airbrushing. We mm-hmm. airbrush, people airbrush their lives, they use filters. What's your take on all of that? Do you think that's something that 
you know what, if you want to use a filter, then knock yourself out. But I think you've got to look at why you're using the filter. I generally try to where I can always use natural light. Mm. I don't have an airbrushing app on my phone. Um, sometimes I'll slide across, you know, normal Paris, Lagos, Oslo. Wow. Um, you flick across. And sometimes I flick all the way through them and then get back to normal and go, oh, actually, that's the nicest version of me that I like in okay. these colours. Okay. But I think the thing is, is it's never about altering what I look like. It might be a smoothing, say, or I might have a big zit on my face, which takes away from what it is that I'm posting about. Um, and so I might kind of, you know, use a different angle to distract from that, but always finding good light. And I think filtering, and, and I think this is really important. I talk about this with my daughter is we've put the filters on, you know, like on the Snapchat where it oh, completely changes. I love the one with the big The mouth. little bunnies I, and Do you know I dogs. have, and I will cherish it forever, I have June Deli Watkins do a Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Do you know the one that makes your teeth and your mouth really big? Really big. And your eyes really big? Yeah. And I have that of Miss Dally and I play it every now and again. Beautiful. And she, she, it's just gorgeous. Fun. It is yeah. fun. And I think those ones are hilarious yeah. and engaging. But then you've got like the other ones that actually change the shape of your eyes, snatch your nose in, make your lips look bigger, contour your cheeks oh, and your geez. chin. And so I think, you know, like makeup, yes, to a degree is a filter, but I think when it's not actually changing the way your face is shaped, yes, it might alter your look in a sense that it highlights and it opens your eyes and it, you know, pronounces your lips through lipstick, etc. but actual filters that alter the way you look, I don't like at all. Is it okay for someone to use it if they want to? Oh, look, if they want to, but I'm not following you. I will unfollow you because I feel it's definitely obviously an insecurity on their behalf and and I feel sad for them that they have to feel the need to alter themselves because then you see them in real life and you're like, that's not what you look like. This is what you look like on your phone. That's what I see every day and that's what I'm conditioned to think you look like, but then I see you in real life and I go, oh, you don't look like that at all. There's a country which escapes me. Which is like catfishing, right, on some sort of level. Yeah, that escapes me for the moment where they have forbidden without declaration using filters. So if you use a filter, especially in advertising, Mm. or even if you use a filter as just a layman, a lay person, yeah. it has to be disclosed. Well, I think I think it, um, social media can be very toxic. Especially for our young Young, men and women. impressionable yeah, they girls are. who and are just seeing images of filtered Why don't I look like that? Why isn't my waist that small? Themselves. Why are my lips? You know, if you look at the percentage yeah. of um, visits to the injectable clinics, you oh, know, they're starting. Cosmetics s- is through the roof, right? But yeah. everybody's starting to look like each other. Mm. They all mm. look the same. You know, they all have that tapered. It's a Kylie Jenner kind of, you know, look, the tapered eye, the so, contouring so- of the cheeks. You know, they've changed the face of the makeup industry. They've changed the face of fashion, of body image, all of those things. And and in some ways for a really great positive impact. But in other ways, there's comparison. I don't look like that. I need to change who I am. You know, and I think that comes back to um, security within oneself and self-esteem. You know, if your self-esteem is low, then of course you're not going to think that you're good enough and that you're going to want to change yourself. I just don't like that young girls on social media, like I have the emotional intelligence to know that that's a filter and she doesn't look like that probably. Mm. Uh, and she's probably having a crap day. She's probably been up with her baby all night or she's mm. been sick and she feels like that is a great cover and a way to be able to present herself to her followers. But I look at it and go, oh, that's unrealistic or that's not real. Whereas my daughter might look at it and go, oh my God, look at her skin, look at her nose, look at her eyes. Mm. She's so mm. beautiful. But that's not actually it's not real. It's a it's a filter. It's a computer generated thing. So for me, it's not about whether you use them or not. It's why you're using them. So what about airbrushing our lives? So in this instance, people that are promoting this incredible life that they're living. Do you mm. think that's something that in the the media that you see is it is it apparent that when you see these, or is it people who are hoping to become celebrities that are sort of portraying a lifestyle that really isn't there. So it's, it's for want of a better terminology, it's really tricked up. Yeah. Well, I think that we're all guilty of that. You know, we could take this photo, right, and we will shuffle the paper and make the cup and the thing look nice and it's all tidy and beautiful. 
that's not unrealistic in the sense that we are here having this conversation, mm-hmm. but we've just adjusted a few things to make it look maybe a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. So we might be out to dinner having drinks and cocktails and we might just rearrange the drinks and the dinner, you know, or take the photo at a specific time when the food plates are full and it looks beautiful as opposed to people having eaten half of the plate, you know. So there's an element of truth in all of it, right? This is the actual life that I'm living. I'm sitting here with you, but I might just alter the appearance of it to make it look mm. more aesthetically pleasing. And also it's part of your um, branding. I mean, who yeah. you are and what you're doing. But what about situations where, in, and you reference a restaurant, do you think it's bad manners if people take photos of their meals before when they're dining with others? If they're on their own, they can knock themselves out, do what they like. Is that something that you advocate that you will, if you're out to dinner and it's a a fabulous restaurant and a fabulous meal. Will you take a photo? Yeah, of, sometimes yeah. And, and and promote it. Like if it's a great restaurant and uh, um, I'm happy to share it because people will be like, oh, my God, that amazing mm. restaurant you look, where was that, you know? People will always ask anyway. So if I don't put it up, they'll ask me and I'll have to answer them. Whereas if I put it up, they already know the answer. They don't have to ask me. So it's actually taking time mm. not away from uh, of my life. But also it might just look pretty, (laughs) you know, it might taste fabulous and look pretty. And so I think if you're consider again, we go back to consideration. So I have a girlfriend who will stop down. Oh, no, don't put, uh, wait, hang on. We need to get a photo first, right? Then there's the- I think we've all got friends like that. Just take your phone out, take a quick (laughs) photo, put it back. Yep. No one's, no one's none the wiser. Here's the scenario. We've all been served and, you know, etiquette dictates or good manners Mm -hmm. dictate that you don't start- until everyone else everyone has else received their meal. Yes. So you're the last person to receive the meal. Everyone has been waiting. Mm. Would you say, guys, just one sec, I just want to get a quick photo of the meal, or would you just do it and they'll sit and watch you? I'll just do it. You'll just do it. Yeah, I don't need to make the announcement. Okay. But also the other thing is is sitting and waiting while everybody else is waiting for their meal. It's like, okay, well, they've already waited long enough. Please don't. You'll, you'll tell you them guys to- go. Yep, you know, eat, it. dig mm-hmm. in, um, don't wait for me, you know, your meal's hot, you don't want it to go cold or whatever it might be. So you just judge the situation based upon what it is that's in front of you. But, yeah, I don't normally generally announce it mm-hmm. unless we're going to get a group photo. Sure. And do you, does everyone mind if we get a photo, get the waiter, excuse me, I know it's not part of your job, but would you mind taking a photo mm-hmm. for us to capture this moment, you know, and they'll take the mm-hmm. photo and we all look beautiful, cheers, cheers, you know, and then it's done. I think that's the, you know, when we talk, and and I've been unpacking this with all of our guests. But it's evidence, right? It it is. But it's also, too, the questions that I I was asking you then, Margot, weren't, there was no right or wrong answer. There was just your answer. And I think that's one of the key secrets to this minefield of manners, Mm. that it's, it's understanding that there are different variations. And I think that's something my children have taught me. They're in their 20s. That what Miss Daly, June Daly Watkins, what would June hmm. Daly Watkins do is different to Very. what you would do. The and time the, has changed too. The time has changed and the key is acceptance. Mm. Kindness doesn't change. No. It's the way the rules have altered. Yeah, and making allowances for people Absolutely. too. Absolutely. And I think sometimes people go from zero to 100 far too quickly mm. because you are not doing it the way that it was done in the 19th century yeah. or the, you know, 1925. When mm. I, and and, and I, that worked then. It worked then. And, yeah. I, you know, I have this process of I, I'm a great believer in that we should always be open to new learnings mm-hmm. and we don't know everything. That's a part of progression. Well, it is. You mm. know, I, you know, when I was 16, I thought I knew it all. Yeah. And then now a few years later, I realised that that's not the case. And mm. I think that's sort of a key that sometimes we need to be understanding of someone who is older than us mm. and accept that that was their way and they yeah. lived in a different generation and, and different tolerances and they were taught it, their learned behaviour is different. And we can be respectful of their thoughts yeah. without agreeing with what they're saying. Of course. And we can say things like, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I understand. We don't have to say I. that's what I'm going to do. But I think yeah. fundamentally underlying be kind is really important. But the changes and, and just listening to what you were saying then about the photographs and, you know, I have a few friends that do that and I've been in the company of other friends at this dinner and, and one friend in particular gets quite agitated by it mm. and she doesn't need to. No. 
because it's essentially it's not hurting or harming anyone. Ultimately, in the bigger picture, it's not that big of a no, deal. No, it's not. Just let her take her photo. Yeah. yeah. And why, why is it impacting her? Why is it triggering her? Why is she so agitated? She might need to look at that mm-hmm. or someone might need to say to her, why does that, why does that agitate you so mm-hmm. much? Why does that annoy you? Mm-hmm. And maybe ask the question, you know, because that's all you can do. Like, why do you think that? Mm. And not being offended that somebody questions you, right? I always welcome if I say something, because this is just my opinion and my perspective on the situation. But if somebody says to me, I don't understand that. Why would you think that? Or why would you say that? You know, I'm okay with that. I'm like, oh, well, this is why I think that. Or this Mm. was my understanding of that situation. What was yours? Was it different? You know, asking questions, that's conversation, not this is what I think and that's it. I'm willing to stay in that. So it's progression. You know, what June Deli Watkins did when she did it is one thing and we've taken little pieces of that, I I think, and and it has progressed. Uh, It might not be as relevant as it was now as it was then, but there's definitely elements of that that I think will carry through all generations, you know, that that is important. Uh, It might just shape shift a little bit. Mm. And I think if we make manners modern, for want of a better terminology, we are more likely to have more people jump on board. Mm. I think if you, because essentially manners was, well, etiquette was created to be able to distinguish between the um, classes classes, and mm. know who was who was certainly um, well-born versus those who were not. Silver spoon in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. so well-born. And I think people still hold on to that that sort of definition and that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's about understanding that uh, there are some rules, there are some basic rules, yeah. like saying thank you yes. and please. But even little things like you said, etiquette, you know, like I, I was brought up the same in the sense that, you know, I knew how to set the table, mm. knives and forks left to right, napkins, dessert spoon, main plate, entree, soup bowl mm. you tilted your bowl forwards and you soup you can come and teach for me now you you're the your expert spoon, you know your soup mm. from the mm. the back end not the front end and slurp it up you bring it to your mouth and you know when you're finished your knife and fork is this way and then when you're finished it's you know this way and and I think even some of those things have been lost you know I was served by a waiter the other day and, and they had no idea I was still eating and they went to clean my plate and I said oh I'm sorry I'm not finished yet my knife and fork wasn't this way, but that doesn't mean that they're mm. to know that or not. And and somebody said, oh, um, but you, and I said, but my knife and fork is still crossed, so I'm still, um, that means I'm still eating. That's just what I know and what I've learned. And they went, oh, really? Mm. I said, yeah, you put your knife and fork this way and then you put your knife and fork that way when you're finished and that lets the waiter know mm. that he can take your plate. But like little things like that, the art of that is lost, right? Unless you know, you don't know. But I don't begrudge that person for it. I no. didn't make a scene. I just said, oh, I'm not finished yet. Thank you. Yes. That's it. Because yes. I know they didn't, but that doesn't make me better than them. That doesn't make no. me, you know, I just, that was what I was taught. That's what I know. And I, I guess you carry that through with you. Um, and so kids who are coming through, generations who are coming through, only know what they're taught. You only know what, what you, you know. know. Exactly. And it would be the probably the first request from every parent or grandparent or mm. aunt that are sending their daughter or son to JDW, Junelli Watkins, do you teach table manners? Mm. And it, it sometimes is the grandparent that's saying they they come over for dinner and they have no idea. Mm. I make my kids set the table mm. every night. That's mm. that's just a part of that. While I'm cooking, Memphis and Wiley, can you set the table, please? And we have uh, placemats and we have knives and forks and we have plates and, you know, they know where to serve the glasses on which side and where to put the bread plate, you know, like that's just something that I have taught them and they may never use it in their their adult lives and they might, but it was important for me to learn when I was growing up from my family that they instilled that in me and so that's something that I will instill in my children because I think that, like you said, good table manners and, and good table etiquette, it's that whole if you know, you know. Mm. Right? Mm. So I don't make a scene of it that I know those things. But if you're sitting across from the table from me and you know, you'll notice. And you'll know that I know and I'll know that you know kind of thing. So it's one of those things. It's not something that you showcase and go, oh, look at me, how wonderful I am. I did it, uh, you know, went to finishing school. However, I know the difference. I could have tea with the queen and do the right things or I can have a backyard barbecue with some of my mates who have no table etiquette or manners and it doesn't matter. No. And 
The thing I often say, I do a lot of work at the unis with graduating students in different sectors, and I say to them, it's it's almost like a superpower. Mm. It, it's it's a strength that you have that you use it when you need it. Yeah. It's not something that you have a badge that you wear on your lapel that goes around and says, I know how to use a knife and fork correctly. Yeah. I know how to dine in a formal setting. Because it is the one thing, and this is interesting, being in a very formal setting and not knowing what, what to, to do, do is very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but it erodes your self-worth, mm-hmm. your self-confidence, that voice in your head which can speak up to 400 words per minute. Mm-hmm. You second guess yourself. Says to you, oh, I don't you, belong here. Yeah. I and I'm out of my job. And that's it it shouldn't be that. No. And it's just knowing and I think that's knowing the difference. Knowing the difference and yeah. I, and having that skill and understanding it and using it if you feel there's the need. Yeah. So it, it look it's powerful stuff. There's one question I did want to ask you because we were sort of on the the, the track of, of chatting about social media. We've been everywhere We've today. been everywhere, which I love. <laughs> so I'm a boomer, unfortunately. I miss out. I by don't one... know. What, am I Gen Y? I'm 37. No, I think you're Gen X. I'm not sure. I'm millennial. No, millennial, jeez. Yeah. But it does change constantly. I, the I only reason know. I know that I'm a boomer is because my mother's also a boomer and I figure that's how can that be? Mm. That's not fair. But yes, so I'm just on the cusp of. So sometimes I'm I'm a um, Gen X. And what does that mean for you? Nothing really. Yeah, it's just being able to. Say <laughs> we just that. love labelling. We things, do love don't labelling. We? Oh, we were just talking about that this morning. You know, we were talking about inclusion um, and diversity. You know, in sport, in life, in you know, in everything. And it's just like to be inclusive, you have to be exclusive, right? So people just want to be accepted for who they are, and and I. Don't mind what you do as long as it doesn't impact me or anyone else negatively, right? If you just want to go about your business, living your life. Be kind. As who you are. Yes. Go for it. I don't care. I don't need to say you're like we have 24 different genders and letters and numbers and and I don't actually care what you do or who you want to identify as. Just be yourself. And if that is LGQTI plus whatever it might be, be that. I just hate the fact that we have to label everything. I'm a boomer, you're a Gen Y, this, that and the other, or I'm a her and she's a he and they they identify as they. Just why do we have to like, why do we have to put it out there? Why can't we just be just, you know, there's so much allowance and acceptance in our world now. I think, you know, um, that there is obviously more space to be yourself. So just be it. Very wise words. Do, don't you? I, I don't agree. Know. I just, I, I think I gen- understand it. The generational know. labeling, so mm. talking about being a boomer, being a, a Gen X, a Gen Y, my belief, one of the reasonings behind that is to understand that person more, mm. to understand how they think. Mm. It's like doing, remember those Meyer Briggs? testing that you would do if you went to a recruiter and they worked out what your personality type yeah. or your communication style. It's To me, it's very similar to that. Yeah. And it's using this scale of the generation that you were born in. Mm. Traditionally, people in that generation, they grew up, they, were, they had no wars. They, you know, what were, were their lives like? And so you understand social mm. the social impacts and also how they think. So... I use it as a tool to sort of say, okay, so you're in that generation. So what would be the best way that I should communicate with you? What should – I'm trying to work out how to connect with you. Ask, yeah. Yeah, you can ask, <laughs> absolutely. But sometimes you may be in a situation where – I perfect example is I went to – and this is a lesson that I learned and I'm a quick learner. And I went to a private girls' school and I spoke about empowerment. And I spoke about how we can cross-reference the way we hold our body, our, our posture, our body language, and using all of those terminologies. And this was a mistake I made, that I hadn't asked the question of the school, were there any students in the room mm. that identify as non-binary? Yeah. I didn't ask those questions. So I referenced female mm. Girls, Girls, ladies, women. Ladies, women. Mm. And there were three students in the room that were really quite distraught that I had done that. And I used and I referenced an archetype, which was Wonder Woman. Mm. So that was something from my learned behaviour, from my curriculum, if you like, that I had to adjust willingly Mm. to understand that there are 
different ways that we communicate. So these girls identified, well, these young people identified as Mm non-binary and I had to respect that. And it can be a mindful and I know what you're saying because I probably would have gone into that understanding and accepting but not realising that I had shattered these three young people yeah. and I had, Margot, they, they were in tears. Mm. And, and, and I have to respect that, that. And so in some institutions, in some environments, that, that labelling is, is uh, an education for me because I have to change the way that I communicate. Yeah, and which is interesting because it goes back to that whole insecurity and and self-esteem. And so had they have been maybe more secure within themselves and who they are and what they identify as and their own beliefs, they may not have been triggered by it. Or they may have come up to me after the session and And just said, said, hey, "Hey, by the way, next time. Yeah, And and it was interesting because I thought, okay, here's an opportunity for me to make a difference. And I said to the head of year and I said, I would really like to have a get-together uh, with yourself, the girls, whoever else would like to come along mm. and sit down with them and and they share with me what I should be saying. Their experience, and yeah. And how it would, what would make them comfortable, but the school didn't do it. And I thought that was a really unfortunate situation because that was a great they learning capitalized on that. For, yeah. for everybody. Mm. So I learned from that that yeah. situation. So in some instances, I'd, I'd Sometimes I don't understand mm. the labelling. I don't, and, and I get it wrong. Yeah. I just wish in the way that we receive it, if it's if it's delivered with care and consideration, yeah. that we be mindful of our reactions of sometimes course. because we're not doing it. I mean, certainly if someone's being disrespectful, mm. I get that. But if we're delivering it in a way and, and we're unsure and it's uncharted waters, yeah that perhaps we can also be kind Mm. to the person who's ignorant. Yeah. And I think that may sometimes help some of the situations that people find themselves in. Yeah, most definitely. Because there are a lot of people out there who are marginalised and I respect that. Mm. And sometimes just give that person, I guess, the um, opportunity to express their lack of knowledge yeah. and and as long as they are, are still being kind and mindful. Yeah. And it's been about un- it's about understanding, you know, and the is. willingness to understand that person's situation and just be considerate of it. I agree. Mm. Margot, this has been fantastic. You know, I often think our podcasts are like having a dinner party yes. and you sit down and chat and you just sort of chew the fat, so to speak, about mm. what's what your thoughts and views are. But if I was to say to you, if you could sum up in one word why you think modern manners is something that everyone should have in their lives, what's the what's the, the benefit that someone will receive if they take on board some of the things that we've perhaps discussed today or maybe they've got some things that they'd like to add? Well, I think it's about the impact that you make on other people, you know, and it's um, sometimes those simple, kind gestures that could change the course of somebody's day or life. It's the complimentary that doesn't make them second-guess themselves. So saying, you're glowing, what, you, what have you done? How, what have you changed? You know, you, instead of saying, oh, you've lost weight, you look great. Um, so I think it's, you know, that, that mind, I think mindfulness is really important mm. and awareness. But, yeah, I think that it definitely can impact other people. And, um, you know, we we keep saying kindness and all of those things. Just making good choices. That's what I say to my kids. You know, it's about making good choices and make bad choices. And you know in the pit of your stomach what's good and what's not. So it's always listening to your gut and, you know, making good decisions and good choices. You're going to make mistakes. We all are. You know, we're going to say and do things that we probably later look back on and go, "Mm, that probably wasn't, you know, my finest moment. I wish I hadn't have said that or I wish I had the understanding to know different but I definitely think it's important because I think that it, you know, can influence. It can. Yeah. 100%. For the positive or the negative. And let's try and make sure that it's, you know, for more positive reason than, than negative. 100%. Thanks, But we're all still learning. We are. And, you know, that's part of, of moving forward and growing and, and progression. And you learn from your mistakes. You sure do. Hopefully not more than too many times. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Margot. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Jodie. It has. Thanks for joining us on What Would June Daly Watkins Do? 
Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode.